Thank you for tuning in. My prayer is that this message is going to be an encouragement to you personally and will cause great growth in your life. It's time to live and it's time to take this next step forward. God bless you as you listen. Anybody ready to hear some good preaching on Sunday? Well, just you wait because dad will be up here in 15 minutes. (laughs) Kidding. Hey, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to teach for just a few moments, and then we as a church are, gonna, are going to pray. Uh, I believe scriptures say that the prayers of the righteous are both powerful and effective. If our, our prayers are effective, we better stink and use them. And we're going to use them today. And I said stinking. That's what my mom said. When it, we didn't say cuss words. We didn't say bad words, but we said stinking. You better stink and get up. We're going to stink and pray. That, well, that's the kind of church that we are, so we're going to do it. That's why we're gathered here together, and, and I'm excited to teach to you, and I'm going to uh, teach to you for a few moments from John chapter 14, verse 27, and I'm using this brief sermonette, this subject called the gift of peace. The gift of peace. The gift of peace. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your peace. God, I pray that we would leave with it this day. God, we come in, maybe someone comes in with conflict. They're going to leave here with peace in Jesus' name. Someone comes in here with anxiety. They're going to leave with joy in Jesus' name. So, God, I thank you that in your presence is a fullness of joy and that it is emanating and exploding and abounding in this house. In Jesus' name, I pray. And everybody said, everybody said, does anybody remember your first nightmare? Weird question. Anyone remember your first night? I see a few hands. I see a few over here. I was curious if anyone had, and there was about 20% of the people on the last service did. I have it embedded in my mind of the first time I had a nightmare at age four. And I was in my room in, uh, was it? It was Cedar Hill, Texas, and uh, in a little two-bedroom home. And, and I was in my cowboy room, laying there, under my sheets, and I'll, and I'll never waking up. Remember, never forget waking up from this dream. And I remember, in the within the dream, I was four years old, and and uh, I was four years old at the time. And and all of a sudden, I had woken up in that state, and and I had felt something on the top of my head, and I felt something crawling, like as if there were legs crawling on the top of my head, all the way to my forehead. And I, and I closed my eyes. I was so scared. And I opened my eyes, and I saw this giant, hairy tarantula on my face. And, and my, you know, my little four-year-old self is just freaked out. And I felt like the tarantula was telling me, don't scream. Don't scream. Don't scream. I got you. And then I remember I built up enough courage, and I was just petrified in fear. And I built up enough courage and just swat the tarantula away and then ran out of my room and closed the door. I'm in the hallway, and I hear something in the hallway, and I go, and, and I peek into our little living room, and I see in there, I mean, I'm four years old, I see a T-Rex dinosaur. I see this T-Rex dinosaur, and I'm terrified, petrified. Obviously, this was around the time when Jurassic Park came out, so I was definitely scarred by that. And all of a sudden, this dinosaur started chasing me around the coffee table. How did it not catch up with me? It was a dream. That's, I didn't come up with this story, but it was chasing me around the coffee table, and, and I just remember calling for Dad. That's the last thing that I remember, but that is the first memory of a, 
of a nightmare I would, I would express. And it was my first nightmare, but it, won't, it hasn't been my last. And in fact, after that, I kind of always had trouble sleeping for the next 15 or so years. And I remember being a little boy, just terrified and afraid in my room. Not just what might be in my room or under my bed, but what might be in my mind when I go to sleep. Because I didn't want to be afraid anymore. And therefore, year after year, my rest started to be taken away. I'm here to tell you today that the enemy is out to rob you of your rest. Because if the enemy can take your rest, he can take your work, he can take your performance, he can take your relationship. If he can take your rest, he can take your presence. In his presence is fullness of joy. Jesus says, come to me and I will give you what? Rest. Rest. I wonder who here needs rest today. I didn't have rest, but synonymously what the scripture often talks as rest is also the word peace. John chapter 14, verse 27 says this, peace I leave with you. My peace, my peace, God's peace, I leave with you, I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Which is to say the kind of peace that I'm giving you is not a worldly peace. It's not the peace that you would understand. Understand the context. Jesus is having one of his final conversations with his disciples, his crew, who he knows and is sending them into a season filled with conflict. How, Jesus, are you going to send me in conflict and say you're leaving me with peace? Well, Jesus says, I don't give you as the world gives. I give you my peace. Which is to say, there may be conflict on the outside, but it doesn't mean you can't have peace on the inside. The peace that God gives is an internal peace. It's a whole peace. The Hebrew word for peace is shalom. Everyone say shalom. Wow, impressive. You speak Hebrew now. Shalom peace. What is shalom peace? Well, it's not an American peace. It's not bliss. It's not serenity. What is shalom? Shalom broken down is completeness and wholeness. See, you can't just look at what seems to be calm and call it peace. We can't just decide, hey, Dakota and I, I know we have an issue over the trash and the dishes sometimes, but just because we're not fighting about it on the outside doesn't mean there's actually really peace on the inside. That's a fake peace. That is not peace whatsoever. It isn't, there is not wholeness. There is division. There is not completeness. There is separation. Shalom is also illustrated as, as a brick or as a wall, a complete and whole wall. And I think oftentimes our peace on the inside is what gives us the strength that we need to face the conflict on the outside. I want to continue reading in John chapter 14, verse 27. He says, I don't give you peace as the world gives, but do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Fear not, for I am with you. Fear not, for I am with you. Fear not. 
for I am with you. Do not be afraid. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not let, do not let, do not let, let. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Did you know that you can let your heart be troubled? You don't have to let it. If you can let it be troubled, you can not let it be troubled. Do not let your hearts be troubled. So in order to have peace, we can't have a troubled heart. It's impossible to have peace in a troubled heart synonymously. What, hey, things are crazy at home. Things are crazy out there in America, in our country, in our state, in our world. It doesn't look like peace to me, but you can have peace on the inside regardless of conflict on the outside. Someone can be yelling at you externally, but you can have the peace of the living God on the inside. That's what Jesus promises to leave us. But Jesus also says, In Matthew, I don't come to bring peace, but to bring a sword. Jesus, first you said, now you're not bringing peace, you're bringing a sword, but now you say, I'm leaving peace. Jesus, yeah. I'm sure the disciples were wondering, hey, you're contradicting yourself. What do you mean? I thought you were bringing peace. Jesus, no. I'm not bringing peace. But what do you mean? How are you going to leave us with peace? He says, Yeah, I'm bringing a sword. I'm bringing conflict. But the conflict that I bring, I'm going to leave it with peace. Jesus has come as the king, the conquering king. When a good king comes, he brings conflict. And a good king comes and produces that conflict into peace. Sometimes you got to engage in a little conflict if you want to see real peace. Right now in Jesus' name, I'm declaring that you're going to stand up where you sat down for too long. You're going to speak up when you've been silent for too long. You're going to pray and you're going to do warfare and you're going to speak out things that are not as though they were because peace must first go through conflict. I'm not settling for bliss anymore, for serenity anymore, for stillness. I'm, I'm, I'm looking for that real peace, that peace on the inside. Jesus has come to bring a sword. I've not come to bring peace, but to bring a sword. Yes, but Jesus also says, but the peace I leave with you. What is the text talking about? Well, out of context, it could seem like an emotion or idea, but Jesus is actually talking about the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm leaving you the peace and the power and the comforter of the Holy Spirit of the living God. I've come and I've done what I've set out to do, and I'm leaving you with my peace. The peace of God is in this place. It's called the power of the Holy Spirit. And what we're going to do during this time is we're going to spend just a couple minutes. We're going to gather as a church in prayer. And maybe you're thinking, how how am I going to pray for other people when I can't even figure out my own stuff? But what's interesting is prayer it kind of flows in. It kind of does a cleansing process. Whenever we pray out, it's as if the Spirit of God is coming into us, and we're kind of exhaling and speaking out all of our fear, anxiety, issues. What's interesting is I found when I start, when I'm going through something and I'm feeling dark, insecure, when I start praying for other people, I feel much better about myself. It's as if when I give the gift of prayer out somewhere else, God returns it right back to me. That's what we're going to do in this house today. You're probably going through something, but we're going to pray for some other people today as well, too, in Jesus' name. Will you stand with me, church?
Will you stand with me as we pray together for a few moments? How do we pray? We pray in a name, a name that is above every other name, a name that brings authority, a name that has and carries power. Before I mention it and I share with you, oftentimes I hear people pray, in the Lord's name I pray, amen. Thank you, God, for this food and all the, the pea balls and all the meat and the raviolis. And in, uh, in your name, I pray. Amen. Well, whose name? Well, like, well, you're saying in your name, I, whose, whose name are you talking about? Scripture doesn't say there's power in your name. Scripture says there's power in the name of Jesus. So when we pray, we pray in Jesus' name. We have authority in Jesus' name. Speak the name of Jesus right now. One, two, three, Jesus. Do you feel that? That's the power of the living God right here in this place. It's the peace that God has left with us. And we're going to pray. We're going to pray for a few things. I'm going to put them up on the screen. Number one. We're going to pray in Jesus' name from freedom, from a spirit of despair. Depression, despair, darkness has plagued people in this room for too long. I'm going to believe in Jesus' name that it's going to be broken right now. There may be despair and darkness on the outside, but that doesn't mean you can't have peace and joy on the inside. We're going to leave this place as a beacon of light and joy and love and healing, but first you must be healed, and I'm going to declare it over your life. Will you receive it? Will you put yourself in a posture of prayer for just a moment? In the name of Jesus, we come against a spirit of despair, and yes, we call it a spirit because we can rebuke it and cast it out. You are not welcome in the lives of people in the name of Jesus. Jesus, may a spirit of desperation, despair, hopelessness leave. Despair is not of God. We serve a God of hope. Despair is from the enemy. So God, in place of despair, I speak and place hope in the name of Jesus. I pray that you would lift people's eyes to the hills. Give people possibilities and ideas of what's possible. Let the clouds and the minds and the hearts and the souls of the tortured soul be moved and pushed away. Let the sun break forth. Despair is broken. In Jesus' name. God, as it is broken in this place, we pray also for our city. God, I pray that we would not have a city of despair, desperation, or fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. So, God, we pray for hope in our city. Let our city be a beacon of hope. No matter how things get bad things get on the outside, I'm believing in Jesus' name, City Life in Fort Worth, Texas, will be a beacon of hope for our country and for the world in Jesus' name. It starts here in Jesus' name. Against the spirit of despair, for those who are isolated, who are alone, who are alone more, uh, more now than ever before. God, for those dealing with depression, for those in isolation, God, we realize that suicide and depression has killed more people in the last few days here in our county than some sort of virus. So God, we come against a spirit of depression, a spirit of suicide. God, we speak light, love, and grace in the name of Jesus. You are expelled in Jesus' name. Next, we're going to pray over the rising of spiritual fathers in the church. We're going to pray that spiritual fathers would rise up. Well, what do you mean? I mean, who's a spiritual father? I mean, what does that even mean? And that's what I intended on preaching on today, and I've got this message, and I'm so excited to share with it, share it to you. But what's a spiritual father? 
well, I have a good and wonderful earthly father. But also through my life, I've had many spiritual fathers that had it not been for them in certain moments in my life, I don't know where I would be. Did you know that it's time for spiritual fathers to raise up? It's time for men to take leadership in our home and in their church and in their city. It's time to act decisively in times of conflict. When's the best time for leadership? Now. Now, now is the time we're going to rise up like never before. Responsibility isn't going to take your life away. It's going to enhance it. That's what I believe. That's what I declare. And that's what I'm going to pray in Jesus' name, God. I pray that spiritual fathers would rise up. Rise up, spiritual fathers, in the name of Jesus. God, I pray spiritual fathers of all ages would, would begin to rise. We realize that you don't need to be a father physically to be a father spiritually. So, God, I pray in Jesus' name that young men would receive mantles of fatherhood. Older men would no longer neglect the responsibility of relationship and intimacy and mentorship and fatherhood and take it by the horns and move forward in the name of Jesus. God, I pray that fathers would rise up in our nation where this darkness, this attack from hell meant to bring disunity. It's actually going to bring fathers to the surface. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said, Next, I'm going to pray for freedom from offense and resentment. Freedom from offense and resentment. Why am I praying for this? Contextually, we want to do everything that we can physically. Talking about a virus, there's not a lot that I can do physically besides you know, wash my hands and sanitize, take care of myself and prepare and keep my family safe. But there's something that I can do spiritually. I've been talking scripture this whole time, but let me talk medicine for just a moment. Psychology. Did you know that your likelihood of getting a disease is much higher depending on the level of resentment that you have in your life? Did you know that there are certain people, including myself, who actually get freedom from diseases as they begin to forgive their father or their mother? Did you know that resentment and offense actually weakens your immune system? God knew what he was talking about when he said forgive. This is the foundation of what we do. And guess what? Some people are going to be set free from the trap of offense. And guess what? What happened to you, it shouldn't have happened to you. It was unjust. You didn't deserve it. But guess what? We're going to forgive anyway. We're going to release it. We're going to let it go right here in this space in the name of Jesus. Put yourself in a posture of prayer. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus. We thank you for the free gift that only you offer, which is salvation. God, we realize that we have salvation because of your work, not our work. God, you have forgiven us. Therefore, we receive your forgiveness in Jesus' name. No longer, God, will I push you away, but I choose right now. And I invite everyone right now, let God love you. Let God love you. You don't have to perform anymore. You don't have to try. You don't have to strive to prove yourself. For his love is freely given. His forgiveness is poured out. God, we receive your forgiveness. And God, as we receive your forgiveness, we now have the ability to extend it. So God, we extend forgiveness right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Right now, I'm believing that forgiveness is being extended to fathers. In this room, forgiveness is being extended to mothers. 
Forgiveness is being extended right now to a brother, to a sister. Forgiveness right now is being extended to a teacher in fourth grade, to a coach in high school. Forgiveness right now is being extended to a pastor from years ago who hurt you. We release it, all the resentment, all the angst, all the bitterness is gone. And I speak and we say, I forgive you in Jesus' name. 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 Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Do you believe it, church? And everyone said, amen. Finally, we're going to pray for healing from bodily sickness. And we're going to pray for our nation, pray for people in this room. Scripture says, by his stripes, you're healed. By his wounds, you are made partial. No, you're made whole. By his wounds, you have shalom, wholeness. God's designed for you and your life and your body is wholeness. So we're going to pray and we're going to believe for healing right here in this space. And we're going to pray that it would go out into our city and to our nation in the name of Jesus. Let's pray. Let's believe it. And let's believe that the glory of God will be shown through what God does in this room. Holy Spirit of the living God, you are welcome in this place. I thank you that you are here. You are among us. And God, we believe and declare that by your stripes, we are healed. By your stripes, we are healed in Jesus' name. Over Fort Worth, by your stripes, you are healed. Over our nation, by your stripes, you are healed. America, over our world, by your stripes, our world is healed in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Thank you. You guys can have a seat. Love it. Jesus said my house will be called a house of prayer. Yeah. You know, when this coronavirus, I, I shared with you uh, I've probably about six weeks ago now, five, six weeks ago, when this coronavirus was beginning to um, infect a lot of people in China, and then I'd, it had begun to touched some people in Hong Kong. I was watching that in the media, and uh, <clears throat> I was laying in bed one night, opened my phone, just looking through the articles, reading about this, and and uh, and and I got I got just attacked by fear. I, I, I confessed all this to you a few weeks ago. I, I just got attacked by fear. Fear overwhelmed me, and I started looking at more, reading more. Uh, this is long before there was any panic in the United States, okay? <laughs> People still had toilet paper. But uh, I, I, I laid there in bed, and, and I, I put the phone away because I know I'm not going to go to sleep with that thing in my hand anyway, so I put it down, and, 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 and I just kept, things kept going through my mind. Well, what if this becomes a pandemic, uh, which now, you know, this past week, they, they uh the World Health Organization says it is. You know, what, 
what would happen? What would happen to uh, business? What would happen to the church? What would happen to my family? What about my granddaughter? I mean, I was, all these thoughts, I was processing these for hours, guys, hours. I didn't sleep, and, you know, until about 5.30, 6 a.m., and no matter how hard I tried, I couldn't sleep. And, and it's like, finally, after a whole night of, of my worry and my fear, I, uh, it's like I felt God saying, what are you doing, Tim? <laughs> Rest. Rest. Experience my peace. Just rest. And... Uh, like, okay, God. I mean, it's like God, God just came in and just spanked me, you know. <laughs> there, there, take that, Tim. Like, okay. You know, every once in a while when you got a little spanking from God, well, that's, that's kind of what happened to me. And, and, uh, and I felt God saying, I'll lead you. I'll guide you. Would you just stop worrying because you can't change anything through your worry and your fear. Your fear is ridiculous. I, that's really what I felt I heard from God. And, and, and then at that moment, I just said, okay, God, this is yours. I just give this back to you. And boom, I was out. <laughs> of course, uh, I had to get up like 45 minutes later, but, uh, but I got my little tiny bit of sleep. I mean, even my own sleep app told me that I slept for like 45 minutes right there. Uh, and, uh, but that fear issue is very, very, very real. And I want to address fear for just a moment. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. None of this is on the screen, so you actually have to use your Bibles. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 gives us a really potent scripture. And, and it's very simple. It says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and depending on your version, a sound mind or self-discipline. Basically means the same thing. So, in other words, think about this. This doesn't come from God. Whenever fear begins to overtake you, that's not from God. And that's, that's, the, that's what I had to be jolted to uh, that, that one night. This isn't from God because God gives me something different. He gives me power, which is godly power. It's not just, not just some kind of like physical strength. God gives you this, this supernatural power to deal with whatever, all right? God gives you power. He gives you love. That means you can actually love people you don't even like, all right? He gives you love. Which, and the, the way that the church expands and grows is through love. So he gives you power, love, and a sound mind. In other words, the ability to think clearly, the ability to make rational decisions, the ability to not worry, but instead process things correctly through your mind and deal with it. That's what it means. So God gives you that. Hell gives you fear. Now, you might say, well, how do you know that hell gives you fear? Well, it's because it's clear because God says this. He says, I, God has not given you a spirit of fear. Now, what is a spirit? A spirit is a spirit. It's, it's not an angel. So it's either an angel or a demon. And there sure is not an angel. There is no angel of fear. Okay. This is a demon. It's a de- it's a de- so it's, fear is a demonic spirit. So God has not given you a demonic spirit of fear. That doesn't come from God. So let's call it what it is. Let's call this this fear stuff, the spirit of fear that comes from hell. The fear comes from hell. God gives you just the opposite. Really, here's the deal. We get to choose. Am I going to choose this spirit of fear to indulge in? 
and stress out and get sick and not sleep and not rest and worry about every little thing? Or am I going to engage what God gives me, power, love, and a sound mind? Which, which do you want? You get to choose. I choose what God's going to give me. Now, that's, that's a simple choice, and it is actually a cognitive choice. It's not, but, but, but what's happening around us and uh, I've been sharing this with you for a few weeks. It's just like, I see this wave of fear coming, and now it's, it's here, okay? It's, it's this, this fear, I'm not going to engage in it because I know it's a demonic spirit, and I'm not going to entertain demons in my heart, in my mind, or in my church. <clears throat> I really believe this, though, is that this coronavirus, and I, I believe it to be, um, I believe it to, you know, all these things, they, they, they really come from hell, uh, uh, this, because there was no sickness or disease in the world until sin entered in, you know, and that's, that's when the, that's when it opened up the door for all types of things like this. And so the coronavirus didn't originate with God. This is, this is a part of the enemy's plan to steal, kill, and destroy. But you see, I believe the enemy uses things like this to induce other problems, Right? So, so what we're dealing with is not just a virus. We're dealing with a spirit of fear that people begin to almost like indulge in and drink of that spirit of fear and, and, and receive more and more and more of it. And that's actually, I think, more dangerous than the virus itself because it incapacitates people. Here, what fear does, fear cripples. Fear will paralyze you. Fear will just like, boom, knock the wind out of you. But when fear overtakes the family of God, God's people, then fear cripples the family of God. Fear paralyzes the family of God. Fear knocks the wind out of the family of God. And the wind actually is kind of like the the spirit. It kind of like knocks the spirit out of the family of God, the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you, I don't want you to be blindsided by fear. I want you to be able to draw a line in the sand with fear and say no. Because what fear does is fear gives hell victory. The spirit of fear says, okay, hell, you've got victory here. Now, when, when hell has victory, the work of God ceases. Do you hear that? Do you hear that? When hell has victory, the work of God is going to cease through the church. So I'm not going to let the spirit of fear, I, I'm, I'm just saying this for us. I'm, I'm the pastor here, okay? I'm, I'm the guy in charge, so I'm just going to make some proclamations over you. It's like, we are not going to be a church governed by fear in our, in our goings on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We're not going to be governed by fear, but we're going to have a sound mind. In other words, we're going to think. We're going to make good decisions, good choices, Right? But you're not going to be consumed with fear because that is going to cripple you. And it can not just cripple you, but when, it, when you begin to give into it because you're part of the family of God, other believers give into it, it actually cripples the entire work of God. And I'm not going to drive out the spirit of God. No, I'm not going to do that. Um, and I'll just tell you, I'm, I'm one who is actually willing to take the risk to not be controlled by the fear of the coronavirus. I'm going to take that big risk. Tim Woody will not be controlled by the fear of the coronavirus. I'm not going to be controlled by it. There's a word in, um, in our language. It's not used very often, but it's, it, what it means is this, it's a fear of contracting a disease. The fear of contracting a disease is actually called nosophobia, N-O-S-O, nosophobia. 
phobia. That's a, that, that means it's like you're afraid of contracting your disease. So it's actually a phobia. It is a fear, which I'm asking us to not do nosophobia. But, but that word, the, the, the prefix there, noso, is actually comes from the Greek language, the term nosos. And, and that is actually the Greek word for disease. So um, that word is actually found in the New Testament. That word nosos is found in the Bible, in the New Testament. In Luke chapter 9, verse 1, there's a little story of when Jesus begins to empower his disciples to do ministry, to do the work of the church. And it says in Luke 9, 1, Jesus says, it says this, and Jesus, he called the 12 together and gave them power and gave them authority, power and authority over two things, all the demons and to heal nosos, and to heal diseases. I want you to get this. That scripture tells us that you have legal authority in the spirit realm that comes from God himself over demons and over disease. So a spirit of fear, you my friend, have authority over that. God has given that to you. So stand up and walk in that authority. Walk in that authority. Yes. I was just thinking about this. You know, we have a wonderful police officer that, that watches over us out here. And uh, he wears his uniform and looks good and does his thing. But, but you know what? If he just puts on his uniform and sits back in the back room and sits back and have coffee all day, he's not exercising his authority and just about anything can happen, whatever, right? But when he stands up in his authority all of a sudden, that authority pushes back darkness. It pushes back anything that would try to, try to mess with him. Nobody's going to mess with Officer Ben. That's all I have to say about it, right? All right? But that's the same way with you guys, with us. You have been given authority by God over demons and over nosos, over disease. You are to cast, I'm, I'm just saying, cast off your restraint of fear. The God you serve made the heavens and he made the earth. And, I, and, and for me, I will not fear coronavirus, and this church will not be afraid of it either. We're not going to fear it. We will not engage the spirit of fear, but we're going to take what God gives us, power over demons, power over his sickness, love. <laughs> and we're going to be able to think straight. You make some good decisions. You wash your hands, right? <laughs> See how that works? Which one do you want? Which one do you want? I choose what God gives me. Psalm 91 is a beautiful, beautiful passage of scripture. I, 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 I want you, in fact, I'm recommending you guys take Psalm 91, print it out, write it out, put it around your house, post it everywhere, memorize portions of it. In fact, the president quoted a portion of Psalm 91 in his prayer, prayer proclamation, and I want to read it to you. But I'm going to read it to you from the, uh, the, the Passion Translation. I just love the way that, that it, it illuminates this. And uh, as I'm reading this, I'd like the band to come to the front because we're going to worship here in just a second, okay? Listen to these words, Psalm 91. When you sit enthroned under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me and the stronghold to shelter me. The only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy and he will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. 
<laughs> I like this. It says, his massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of his majesty and you can hide. <laughs> his arms of faithfulness are a shield keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by night or by day, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil launched against you. Even in the time of disaster, with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. But when we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or a disease infect us? God sends his angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. Come on, stand up, stand up. Because if you walk into a trap, those angels will be right there for you, and they're going to keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, and you'll trample every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you have delighted in me as my great lover, I will greatly protect you. I will set you on a high place and you'll be safe and secure before my face. I will answer your cry and I will help you every time you pray. And when you find and feel my presence, even in the time of pressure and trouble, I will be your glorious hero. I'm going to give you a feast and you're going to be satisfied with full life and with all that I do for you. You will enjoy the fullness of your salvation. I'm telling you, God, that's my God. That's the God I serve. I will not bow to the spirit of fear, but I'm going to bow to the spirit of God. I choose God. And here's the key. If you want to get rid of fear, the best thing you can do is throw that phone down. Quit looking at what's going on around you. Get your eyes on Jesus. Begin to worship. No, I'm I'm talking, you begin to worship. When you begin to worship, the fear has to subside. Hell hates worship. I'll say it again. Hell hates worship. So I'm going to ask us to worship God in spirit and in truth in this room right now. Come on, lift his name up. Come on, let's go. Have you discovered your street of influence? Whether it be family, government, business, arts and entertainment, faith, health and vitality, or education, head over to culturalstreets.com and discover your street today.